Welcome, welcome everybody. This is Michelle Hayward with the, oh my gosh, fifth day of the Women of Color in STEM Virtual Summit where we're redefining fail, where fail means foundation to advance, impact, and lead. Today, our presenter is me. So I'm gonna be sharing with you tips and ways to engage with executives. And I know this was a, a huge struggle for me early in my career. And I had a different outlook in a very short period of time. Um, so I'm going to show you some tools that were available to, available to me back in the early 2000s. Some of you are like, early, some like, girl, yeah, I remember before then. And some of you are like, I was very, you know, I wasn't in college yet, but it is still very, very useful. Welcome. So first up, this is the fourth summit. Um, I started the summit coincidentally the same year that Hidden Figures came out. So it was a great hit. Um, and ever since then, I've done it at least once a year. 2017 was the only year I've done it twice. We will have a roundtable again tomorrow night at 10 p.m. East Coast time. We did it an hour later than on Sunday to allow for more West Coast ladies to join us. So we look forward to having you. Hopefully you'll be home. You can you know, rest, have, have dinner. Maybe you're just walking in the door. But we wanted to give an opportunity for you to be able to join us. We will do it on the webinar portion wherein I can still bring all of you on. <laughs> Um, I can bring you on when you have questions, when you want to provide feedback, solutions, suggestions, connections. So we will do it here. It was a lot of confusion on Sunday. You live and learn. And I just have to figure out going forward how to do it. Um, the replays will be available. Usually, I'm just going to say 11 p.m. They're usually up at it by 11, um, just working with slow nets sometimes and slow people because I want to go have dinner, okay? If you are a STEM professional, meaning you're a scientist, engineer, a tech, you work in technology, medicine, you are welcome to join our Facebook group. I am very, very particular about who joins the group. You must answer all three questions. Some of y'all are like, Michelle, I didn't. I, that's because I knew who you were. I'm not the only one who um, admits people to the group. Um, so be sure you're answering those questions. If you know you don't qualify, you're like, well, she said I'm a C, and you know you have nothing to do. The community is built and created for those women. While the issues we discuss are paramount across different industries, I specifically work and serve that community in a niche. So the whole world has this issue. I can only help this, this man. It still is hundreds of thousands, millions. So just keep that in mind. Um, we have two giveaways and I'll be letting y'all know probably on Monday because there was an issue. And so I'm gonna have to go through and put everybody who registered and attended or probably just attended um, in for Courtney. Courtney's um, Stoners, she's giving away gift certificates three and Lynn Hurdle Price is giving away three of her books. So if you, if I contact you like, oh, I already have Lynn's book, just and you still want it, let me know you still receive it. But I will need you to turn over or provide like mailing or email address. So just be conscientious of that. That I will need some personal information, and you will have. I'm going to ask you for it 
NASA would go ahead and send that. Now I need you to type it in so that I have proof that you typed it in and they can just copy and paste. And not Michelle, he would say, oh, you said, because mm, that's, that's part of your privacy. Um, then one last thing. So we, part of the questions that I asked in the summit, and I'm gonna tell y'all a real short story. My sister is the giveaway for positive hire attendees or the face, it's for summit attendees. It's, for, it's only for summit attendees, not for the Facebook group. I'm, 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 I'm sorry I mixed that up, but the giveaways are only for people who have attended, not just registered, because then at that, that about 250 may register for a session and then 25 show up. And that way it has increased your chances of winning, okay? Uh, so what, when we ask the questions, in registration, they are truly for a reason and a purpose. Number one, I asked what your wins are, and I'm going to read some shortly, because we do not have the ability to do that. And every place I will be going to a couple places next month, one for International Women's Day, another I'm, I'm a vendor, and I literally will be sharing your wins. I won't be saying your names. So if you were very, very detailed in your win and you said more than I graduated or I got a promotion, it helps show what our women who are Latina, Black, and Indigenous in STEM are doing and their wins. And I can do that for you. And, and that's really why I asked it. Number two, and you're going to see it on social too, on Instagram, and we're going to share those out continuously through 2020. But also what those questions help us do is create programming. So bring on speakers, provide information, trainings that I don't do in areas I'm not proficient in or comfortable in doing. Plus, I believe there is enough room in this world for other people to help other people. So I'm not the only career coach. I'm not the only social media LinkedIn person, right? There are other people and I will gladly send you and help you find the person that's the best fit for you. So I love sharing my platform with other people. So with that, we're going to get started. Um, and that is um, tomorrow we'll have Crystal Atha. She will be going over harassment in the workplace. I know it is a Friday. I know you're probably coming home from work, but try to join that because it's all about the tactics you need when you encounter those issues in the workplace. So let me go to the screen share. And as long as y'all don't count my tabs, I won't talk about you. How about that? <laughs> All right, and my tabs are my workflow. Um, All right, so here we go. We're gonna get this started. We got a question. I thought I was bad with all my tabs. You had me be, um, you know what? You know, never mind. I'm gonna leave y'all alone. Okay, so I'm. Gonna <laughs> um, and get started with this. And I will answer questions. Okay, see, see people got me. Hey Angie, all right, so here we go. Five tips to engage with executives. 
Some of what I'm going to share with you, I've used actually for interviewing process, gotten a job offer using this tactic back in the early 2000s. Um, I still use, I use some of this as well in corporate and some of it I also use in my startup today. Okay, well, come on in. Okay, so a little about me. I'm sitting in the great state of South Carolina, actually in Columbia, South Carolina, where um, I was born and raised. Um, actually went to college here at Clemson, where I joined my first National Society of Black Engineers chapter. And while at Clemson, um, National Engineers Week is a big deal. And we did something every single day through our NSBE chapter for National Engineers Week, which is why I generally hold this February summit on Engineers Week. I love social media. And this is when I was all over Snapchat. You won't find me on Snapchat these days, but this is back probably 2016, 2017, and I was just having fun with filters. So I, I do love social. Um, so if you message me, DM me, tweet me, read, I, it, it really is me responding back. Um, LinkedIn, if, if you send me a message, I'm the one responding back, not my assistant. I still do a lot of high touch. Um, I worked in construction. I have my degree in civil engineering. Um, I ended up both of my career in construction, building high voltage transmission lines out in a lot of places you would not want to go. But I found my true passion. And I also built a skill set that I use in my startup. So we're going to talk about um, really focusing on your skill set as well. And then while I was there, I came up with a business idea, but it transitioned into what is now positive hire. And this is this is where I am. And I'm one of five kids, so um, which is unusual this day and age, but quite normal when I was growing up. Um, so the agenda tonight. What I'm going to talk about when it comes to um, engaging with executives is remember, it's, they're human to human. I want you to use your stalker skills. Yes, ladies, you get to stalk somebody and it's okay. Do your homework and then we're going to talk about jab, jab and then end with right hook and what does that mean? So any of you that know anything about social media marketing, you may be familiar with jab, 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 right hook from Gary Vaynerchuk. And it's, it's very, very similar to what he teaches. So what I mean human to human, when we often think about people in high ranking places, we see them as, oh my God, I can't make a mistake. Oh, I wanna get this right. Oftentimes people are asking these people in high level places for help, or they want them to invest in something, but they, they see them as an opportunity, not as a person, not as somebody who gets up and goes to the bathroom when they work, wake up first thing in the morning, not somebody who has a good day or a bad day, not somebody who has a family or pets. So when you truly look at that white man who's an executive, first know they are human, and it's gonna be a human to human interaction. And learning more about them really, really can help you. Okay, so what is that stalker skills are? So one thing I didn't have in the early 2000s and I used, um, used something then that was called Ask a Tiger. So Clemson Tigers and we had a network where you could look up 
um, alumni who worked at certain employers you were looking at getting a job. So I would use, that was kind of like the only type of stalker skills I could use. I would ask like, what's the management like? And what are the benefits? But I couldn't dig in as deep as I, we can today with social media. So when you're looking at people on social, you can go and look at what are their community activities. You may be able to find out like what their goals are. Maybe they run marathons, they do triathlons. Um, maybe they do the walk for cancer because of a loved one. You may find out that they come from very humble beginnings and maybe they don't. Maybe they were military for 20 years before going corporate. You also wanna look internally as to which initiatives they run, right? Uh, what business division they're over or business unit, what part of the budget they're responsible for. A lot of times you can get this internal if you have like Yammer, you have other um, internal or intranets similar to Facebook. Sometimes you can pull this data from their profile, even family information. Sometimes they share it and it may be a, hey, my son graduated from Michigan State. My daughter's majoring in chemical engineering at Alabama. Has anybody, you know, graduated from there? I know we have a few graduates and just trying to tie into the community. So use what you have internal to your organization. Um, that can be newsletters that go out about organization. And if they've been with the organization for a while, there's usually an archive and you can probably find out something about them, even sometimes that they announce new hires. So definitely, definitely delve into what they do business-wise internally, what their family and their background is. And sometimes the, the furthest you can do, go with their background if, they're, if you can't dig deep in the net is really what college they graduated from and what their major was. And sometimes that's all you need to know. And I'm going to show you somebody that I pulled up. All right. So I'm going to pause here because we're going to actually go look at someone um, on LinkedIn, a LinkedIn profile. So I picked Salesforce just to pick Salesforce. It's no strategy or anything. Um, actually, I just searched for um, annual reports and somehow Salesforce, um, I got led to Salesforce. I was like, oh, that, that'll work. So I, I went to, I picked Salesforce as the company's annual report we're going to look at. And I'll tell you why we're going to look at this annual report. So let's pretend that you work for Salesforce. Your VP for your business unit is this guy named Todd Lesser. Todd is actually a second level connection to me. Um, and he's in Falls Church, Virginia. Maybe I'm not in the same office as he is, but he's a solution engineering at Salesforce public sector. And let me tell you, I picked this dude by random and his profile is gold. Like Tamara, <laughs> thank you, Tamara, um, you're going to love his profile, girl. I don't know if he paid somebody, but I'm thinking he did. But he, his pro, his check this out. Okay, so you see what he says he does. He's VP Solution Engineering at Salesforce Public Sector. 
I know this VP, solution engineer, I'm not sure what that is. He sells forth and he deals something with the public sector. Okay, cool. We're gonna go to this about section. So if you were in Tamara McLemore's Sunday session, y'all gonna let us. In his about, he says, experienced, proven, and passionate pre-sales executive. Highly recognized for developing, communicating, and executing on highly effective and compelling solution presentations, demonstrations, blah, 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 okay? This is what I want to get to. It's the public sector market that he serves. Why? Because when you go to the annual report, you're going to look to see what is in the Salesforce annual report when it comes to U.S. and Canadian government. Got me? And you're going you're gonna to search for Canada, or, right? You're going to search for um, U.S. federal government contracts. You're going to search for different terms. You may just search for public sector because that's what he says as keywords in his, in his profile. Are y'all with me? Put up a one if you're with me. Um, and what this helps you do when you're pulling these keywords out of his profile, because his profile is dope. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I really lucked up. I don't think many of you are going to get as lucky as this. <laughs> his profile is dope. So if y'all are looking like for a profile to kind of figure out how to build yours, look at this man's. And you can tell he does sales or pre-sales. Um, areas of expertise. I need y'all to own your areas of expertise. Don't put software. Just say um, engineer. Um, you can do project management. You can do uh, highway design for interstates. Whatever it is, own that shit. For real. And if you're trying to figure out what to own, go look and see what your boss has and just copy and paste some stuff he has and then we'll and reformat it. I'm director of solutions engineer. We design and sell third party warehouse designs. See? Now I'm only using a public set of a publicly traded company. If you have you work for a private entity. And the smaller it is, the harder it is sometimes to find this information. But sometimes when it's smaller, you can build those relationships a little bit better. When you're looking at a company like Salesforce, I came from a company about 90,000 employees globally. It originally was one company with 25,000 globally. We got bought. We went to 50,000. We got bought again. And it went to 90,000. So let's just say... <laughs> The larger it gets, the more difficult it can be to engage with VPs. I was fortunate because the I was a I was in a cost I was in a revenue generating position, meaning I was in the field. There were the client had to pay extra because I was on site, and so the VPs and the directors flew out because we made money on top of money for the company. And when you notice, let me tell y'all, they, they invite you to dinner like, okay, so how's it going, Michelle? So it was a different ball game. And this is how I got comfortable really talking to VPs because they showed up at my desk in a, in a, in a, in a shed next to the Allegheny River outside of Pittsburgh. So I didn't have a choice really, but I had to research them to understand who, who they were, 
what they're responsible for and how my role as a cost analyst too tied into this $350 million construction project for this utility company. Um, and, and I'll get into that a little bit. Okay, so we look, we're looking at this. So let's just copy and paste public sector. You can just Google annual reports for the company you work for. You probably can find it internally. This is all I did. This is what Salesforce looks like. This is the actual report PDF. I didn't download it. I don't need it. Um, but right now, they're not one of my target customers yet. But um, oh, come on. Command F. Okay, there we go. So I'm going to do the public sector. So this is page 16. I'm trying to see which section we're in. So first thing I should have done was just taking y'all to the table of contents. And I'm a backup, actually. Let me not take y'all to the table of contents. Let me take y'all to two resources I pulled up first. One is learning how to read or what to read in an annual report. So because they can be, this is 140 pages, it's not that bad. I put this one resource, business-standard.com. If, if anybody else has a better resource to break out, I can't find my old notes. This gives you 10 important things to analyze in an annual report. And it really depends on what's important to you. Everybody wants to know if you're profitable or not, if you're generating revenue and, pro and profit, and if you're profitable. So the, this report gives you the sections to check out, and it says whether or not it thinks value of information is medium. It really depends on what you're looking for in the report. Um, director's report, management discussion and analysis. One thing you do want to look at is the SWOT analysis for the company's strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. We are seeing technology take over a lot of different industries, and it's very, very important that you look and see what the threats are and then what the opportunities are. And what I mean by threats, is it us, is a market shrinking for a product or a business unit you're in? Is now there a new opportunity where you can take your skill set to a different business unit a different team and how to position yourself on LinkedIn, even in your office and start um, communicating and connecting with people in that, that business unit that has the best opportunity if you want to stay with that employer or if it's a new employer. So this to me is one of the key areas you always want to look for is the, the SWOT analysis of the company. All right. So this will give you some ideas. Um, also, of course, I should have Wikipedia up here. You can also go to Wikipedia and it, it'll break out as well. I didn't look for any YouTube videos. Um, a couple people generally do great breakdowns, but I, on other stuff, I ha didn't find one that did it on financial, on annual reports, but there probably is one. I don't know if Courtney's here. Courtney, if you have any recommendations. Um, Financial statements, I highly agree that you do need to learn those. Courtney Stoner gave a recommendation for a book, and I can't remember the name of it, but I'll definitely share it out when we send out the e follow-up email next week with different resources that I mentioned to pick up that book and understand your financial statements. Because as you grow your career, you will be responsible for not only 
um, teams, but also budgets. And it's important to understand what the corporate budget is, um, your, your profit and loss statements, your income statement, so balance sheets, um, so you understand that, as well as cash flow. Um, so that is, this will give you the breakdown for that, and I'll include the link for that. So we're going to go back to the actual annual report from Salesforce. And this is, it says the index, um, I, call it, I call it the table of contents, but it tells you the breakdown of everything. It won't be worded exactly as what's in the resource I gave you, which is why I did a keyword um, search. Um, and so I'm gonna go ahead and it does, public sector comes in once, industry specific regulation and other requirements and standards, so you have to play around in here to look and see um, where you where certain things come. So I'm going to go to revenue. Revenue comes up 372 times. So revenue is not a good word to search for. But what they do in this report is they do highlights. Um, and they share with you what the revenue it was for 2019. Um, they talk about the cash flow, and they tell you whether it's up or down. So it's 26% year-over-year growth, and you're seeing it's up 24% for the cash flow. Cash flow is truly important without cash. Um, unless you're leveraging credit, you want as much cash as possible. And Salesforce, after a 20-year-old company, is 36,000 employees. That's huge. That's a lot of growth in 20 years. So just take into account that you're seeing a growth in your your cash flow has increased, but also your revenues increase. The other thing is you want to see what your debts are um, in your financials, but we won't look at that tonight. Okay, so we know dude was um, in government. So that's government comes up 32 times. And our growth strategy. So this is your growth strategy. If you know he's in government and we're in the growth strategy, he is probably tasked with some of the things that come up under growth strategy when it comes to government. And targeting verticals, targeting vertical industries to meet our needs of our customers in certain industries, we provide solutions specifically built for certain vertical industries, such as financial services, healthcare, and government. These three industries specifically are highly regulated. Um, you have to all, and I know Tamara knows this, I's and I's dotted T's cross. Having expertise or experience in government would help you. And if most of your team and employee um, coworkers in your division are not familiar with government documentation, processes, procedures, let's just say that's something you can leverage. And that's one way you can go in and address it. Okay. So you can go through and kind of play around with the keywords to figure this out. Is this somewhat helpful? Or is this more confusing than it needs to be? Just let me know um, what questions you have.
um, because we do have some time. We'll, we'll go through Q&A, but go ahead and just submit your questions. And I can come back to this. I don't want us to get too bogged down. One other thing, you can use um, industry resources such as engineering news and records what where they rank your employer and this helps you understand how best how to look at it were you one uh, were you at a top maybe you rank one and two for six years and then y'all drop completely off the board for rankings so this is engineering news record this is what we use in civil and it really if we weren't in the top 10 in certain areas I was concerned because if we weren't top 10 in um, power if, or energy, if we weren't top 10 in like mining, if we weren't top 10 in, in certain divisions of the company, I was worried because it indicated to me either we lost staff or we lost contracts. And if we lost contracts, there was definitely going to be um, a reduction in staff. This is very helpful because you can see where a company is going and how your skill. Yes, exactly. And as engineers, we don't look at this and we aren't taught how to read this. Um, the guy who actually taught did this Nesby thing. His name is Carrie. I might actually pull him up. Um, and he was actually military. And he came and he did his workshop at Nesby, like how to read an annual report and what to read. I literally remembered up until like three, probably three, four years ago, what he taught. And I went and sent him a message that literally said, hey, I met you at Nesby. You taught me how to do this. I love to connect with you. And and he was at, at the time, he was at um, UBS. He was a, he became a senior vice president at UBS Financial. He was there for 10 years and he just left a couple of years ago to go out on his own. So there are people like us that come to organizations like that once or twice to really teach us something, us engineers something new. Okay, so that is, so you can do your annual report, you can use industry. Um, so if you're trying to figure out what, what your industry thing is, again, utilize LinkedIn groups, um, Google, if you're also your, your um, engineering organizations, so if you're in manufacturing, they may have a standard. Uh, e literally, if your company ranks in anything, they're going to send an email out. It's going to be on the website. We are number two in XYZ, right? And they're going to just say they're number two listed, but they won't say, they may not even say what industry it is or what business unit. But use that information to go find and see where they were three years ago and just check this stuff at least once a year. I used to be really, really good about it. <laughs> and in 2014, my former employer got was purchased. And when the keyword search, yes, you got a keyword search and annual report and, and everybody's keyword is going to be different. So you're going to have to test it to really figure out what that keyword is. Um, but once you figure out our keywords, and once you figure it out, it'll be good. When we were purchased, one of the guys, and I had been following our annual report because it was good for me. I had a job. It was a great recession. And one of the guys, like, when we got bought, like, yeah, that other CFO, he quit because he bought this oil and gas company. It was a tanker. And it, took, it, it almost bankrupt the company. And I'm like, oh, shit. 
So I literally go Google the article to find out about the company that bought us. The company that bought my former employer paid $6 billion for it. They was like, that's a lot of money. $4 billion was in debt. And I said, oh, shit. I need to be making an exit strategy. And that was 2014 because I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to be a lot of changes for them to recoup. $4 billion as soon as possible because the CEO of the new company had an accounting background. He didn't give a shit of care how we did engineering. He knew how to count. He knew how to make money. So, um, okay, we got a question. If I can get it open. Okay. And I cannot and share. It won't open for me. So I'll come back to it, to your question. Okay, so let's get back to the deck. So that is how that's transformers activate. Like you literally take that into action. Now, do your homework. The homework part of this, you may think, well, Michelle, that was the homework. That wasn't the homework. Now that you know what your VPs or that director, whoever that executive you're trying to connect with, that VP, executive VP, maybe it's the CTO, the CIO you know what their initiatives are. Now I want you to go back, know your role's impact. How does your role impact or influence the company? What is its significance to the company? How does it impact your employer by team, department, division, and globally? Oftentimes we think what we do is small and insignificant. It can be if that's what we believe. But if you like mediocre math, and you say, oh, I'm the shit, and what I do, this company I live and die by, you have a different viewpoint. So let's say you are a software engineering manager, and the software that you create is to take transactions at um, point of sale at airports. And you're like, well, we just make sure there are no fraudulent transactions. But what if your software also identifies when there could be an, another attack via airlines. What if it can identify in red flag when there are people that have been kidnapped or transporting children or women? So you may think on a very granular level the impact of what your role does, but it could be much larger. Now, Know your impact, that's your role's impact. And know your impact outside of your education, your job title. What is your skill set? This differentiates you from others in your industry, organization, and team. Now, I know she's on here. So, Karen, <laughs> y'all don't know Karen. Karen's down the street. She's just at I 26. And she literally shared with us, and I forgot to read these again. She shared about how she tore apart with it a, um, a database and rebuilt it, and nobody on her team was willing to take that risk. And the ability to do that, the ability to take that risk and be like, oh, my God, how did you do that? Look at what that skill set takes. What is, the, is that skill set pre-planning? Is it organization? Is it identifying the tools? Is it identifying the team to build out when it comes to intricate steps and processes, right? So what is that skill set you also have? Maybe it's how to plan out a new product line from beginning to end, meaning supply chain sourcing, 
um, designing, laying out the equipment, testing the equipment to manufacturing, and you can do it in six to eight months as opposed to 16 to 18 months. What is that skill set that you have? I want you to focus on that. And if you can't figure that out, this is the one of the books I showed. Um, can't think of the name of it right now, but this is one of the exercises in it. Email people and ask them what you do well. People that you know will be honest with you. They may, you don't have to like them. They don't have to like you, but you know they will honest, provide honest feedback on what you do well. Because too often times our gifts are wrapped up and are innate to us and we don't understand what we're really good at, all right? Then thirdly, know how to talk the language. So if you join Courtney, Courtney, <laughs> Courtney Stoner, uh, was using some language, and I was like, what is that? EVP, also executive vice presidents, okay. And she had M&As, oh, mergers and acquisitions. So what's the language that they talk at that level, but you also have a language that you talk internal to your, your company? And I remember working for a company way back when they actually had a booklet, like the little mini Bibles, right, that you could stick in your pocket of all the vernacular they could use in that in that in that um, organization. My first career coach had me do the peer exercise goal. Yeah, when people, when you ask people what you do well, like really y'all can't do like, no, that's why we always come to you. If you're really afraid to do that exercise, go back through emails and see what people are consistently asking you to do. Not like order the lunch, but really asking you to do. Hey, we're going to be in this meeting with such and such, can you come? They want you to come because stuff effed up and you're going to sit there and you can figure out how to uneff it up and you know who's who to pull it together other people don't know how to do that maybe it's actually convincing people to do the work is is a skill set that you have so you can negotiate well with people but truly truly ask people okay so speaking the language is truly important as well all right, so what is jab, jab, jab? It is not hitting somebody. It's about giving before you ask. Um, how many of you get asked, hey, can you get me a job? Can you get me a hookup where you work? Hey, um, can, you, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? If you're getting hit up at your level, what do you think an executive vice president and higher up are getting asked to do, right? And since they don't know who you are, except for maybe the Latina, um, or oh, I didn't know you as an engineer over there, right? What you literally can do is taking that information where you understand the value of your role, you understand your skill set, and you're literally just sending them a monthly or a weekly update that says, um, it could be an article on how a company in Europe is dealing with GDPR. Um, for those of you in tech that collect data, GDPR, the privacy, new privacy policy in Europe. Maybe you're talking about the new um, financial um, FinTech um, startups and how do we as a 50-year-old company um, compared to them and how do we keep our market share and still gain young new customers, right? So you could literally just be sharing content, but pulling out one or two 
titles because these particular executives get hundreds of emails. They don't have time to read a lot of stuff. They want the high point, right? And so if you can provide that value in a very short email that they will find valuable because it is part of their initiatives, their goals, and tied to their bonus for the year, they're going to listen to you. So you also, by doing this, you also have proof that you are smart and you can execute. So if something that you've done similar that you can show and prove, like, hey, this is what we did on this team. This is the data before we did it. This is the outcome after we did it. And this is how long it took us. And that's it. Five bullet points and keep it moving for numbers. Um, and you can put it in if you like to discuss, let's schedule a time, um, a 15, 10, 15 minute meeting and put together three, four slides and keep it moving on how to execute and do a small test in your organization on it, right? Um, so you want to be sure you're providing data, fill reports, and, and I said reports, it's not a report, it's going to be a very succinct and short email. <laughs> like, it should be as short, it should have no more um, words than, on, than what's on this slide. That is it. And I mean on the white part of the slide. So um, giving can mean sweat equity as well. So you're willing to do the testing for something, you're willing to do the research, you're willing to do the work. I do want to put in one caveat. You may not get a reward yet. So they may take the idea as theirs, but I want you to position it as though you're the thought leader and you can execute on this. They may pull in one of their friends to lead this. Okay, just let them do the work. Like, I don't know nothing. And try, try to figure out how to work that culture. So it really comes back to understanding your culture and that organization. Okay. Now, what is the right hook? That is your ask. Jab, jab, jab is the give. The right hook is to ask. Ask them to sponsor you. Ask them for a promotion. You can ask them to have, help you get transferred to address workplace issues and to connect you with someone in their network. So the right hook is always to ask. And it may jab, it's three jabs, but it may take something more than you sending them three emails. It may take 13 emails but you wanna be consistent in, in adding value. Um, and there are different ways to do that, but this is one way to connect with them. And by having this information ahead of time, when you meet them in meetings, um, you know a bit about their background, you know a bit about their family, you know about their goals and you know about their initiatives for the company. And you're able to find, you oftentimes are able to find something to connect with them on. And so it makes it a little bit easier because you're seeing them as a human. Um, and, and, that's, and that's important. Okay. So let me stop the share because I can't get to the questions. Okay. So I'm a federal employee currently with the Department of State as a passport educator. I just graduated from a web development who can wonder what titles in tech I can easily transition into. So are you looking for federal jobs or are you looking for um, are you looking for federal jobs? Are you looking to go to public sector? Or are you looking to go and start up? 
or even education. So it really depends on what your background is, where you're trying to go. Also, um, so you're looking into private. If you're looking into private, what skill set do you have from the passport? So I don't know what that passport educator does. So what does that job entail? Are you, do you have a clearance, um, a government clearance to do that? So then there are some, certain companies that look for people with uh, government security levels. Um, if so, what, what level are you? Um, that may be attractive to them. For, I, I have plans, we have to be accurate and fast. Okay, you could and, and do you want to code? Do you want to do product development, product, product management, I'm sorry. Um, which part, uh, I know you said web development, you can still do some other things. So it really depends on what you want to do. So do you go to his profile to get key? So, so for job titles, it's going to, it could be just to get your foot in the door, you could look for hiring manager roles that could be um, senior software. Okay, you like front end. So you, you're looking for a UX. So you probably, and Karen's on here. Karen, um, what, what are your thoughts? This, this is some of her, her area of expertise. Um, front end. You're still gonna be looking at a software engineering manager to me more than, because they're, they're gonna be the hiring manager do first level connections. So maybe a project manager. Can you repeat? Yeah, so she is looking to get into web development and wants to do front end and with a creative background. Um, she just finished web development boot camp and has experience working at the Department of State as a passport educator. So she's trying to figure out on LinkedIn what job titles to search for to find the right hiring manager. I also had trouble quantifying my impact. I built a data warehouse and ended up providing reports. Oh yeah, I love that question, okay. So Karen, I'm, I'm thinking software engineering manager. Um, it could, depending if it's a larger company, sometimes CTO, lead developer, yeah. CIO, chief information officer. Um, chief CIO, meaning chief information officer, CTO, chief technology officer, lead developer, software engineering manager. Um, I tell you, I tell you the trick. Start at the top, because you know what happens at the top. They're gonna send it down. If you start at the bottom, it don't go any place. <laughs> the harder part with LinkedIn, though, if you're trying to 
um, connect with people at the CIO, CTO, at any of the C-suites, they are very, very difficult to reach on LinkedIn. They usually aren't on social. They just have somebody managing their profile. So sometimes I go, personally, I go for the VP level, um, and they still will filter down, or they'll be the direct person for me to work for. So just looking at a, I can tell you on a sales perspective, we generally will go for the CIO, CTO, um, and, but because they filter down, but they often are not on LinkedIn. So I generally target the VP level. Um, and that, that's been more beneficial for me. Okay. I hope that helps. Yes, you can find a recruiter at that company too, um, as well. And they'll love if you, they'll love it, um, actually. So just position yourself so that you don't come in as entry level because you already have experience. It may be experience in, in front end development, but you bring in other skills too that you need to highlight on your resume um, to, so that you get paid appropriately. Okay, next question. So do you go on his profile to get keywords? Yes, so I went, let me just make, let me just make an except. Like I pulled this dude up yesterday and I really got lucky. Like he was a tall, like I'll just go with him. It says VP. You can go to his profile on LinkedIn and pull keywords. You also want to look him up in your global outlook. If you have global outlook or however you do communications, you want to use your internal languages as well. Um, so your internal, your intranet, internal, um, and internal um, documents or reports that you share to figure out what they're responsible for to get those keywords. So it, you probably won't find it. We got lucky with this guy. You probably won't find it on LinkedIn. You're going to have to use internal resources um, and, and utilize those to find your keywords to search by. So be patient. It's going to take some time. Pull out like 10 keywords that you think won't pull up more than 30 Fit probably 50 results. Um, it, once you get something like 20, 25, you know you're in there. You're probably going to find it a little bit quicker. All right, um, next question. I have, I have always had trouble quantifying my impact. I built a data warehouse that ended up providing reports to the CEO that could not get consolidated before. Any tips to look, any tips to look to where to get the answer? Okay. What was the previous process and how many people were involved in that previous process? What were their titles, job titles, and how long did it take them to create the report that could get to the CEO? So then what you're going to do, once you know the amount of time, they can ask, oh, it took me like four hours, okay four hours a week or four hours every time you had to do, is it a weekly report or a monthly report? And some people work slower than others. <laughs> so maybe it took them 40 hours in a month. They make $20 an hour or 40 hours. Maybe it took them four hours a week, whatever that number is. Look at what the hourly rate is. You may or may not have access to that. So you can use like um, salary.com to get an S get an, an average rate for that area they work in for their annual salary rate. 
multiply it out and just look at what's the annual cost savings. Then go back and look at the productivity. It improved their productivity by a certain amount as well and calculate that. Um, then on top of that, what's the benefit to the CEO? Is the CEO able to make better financial decisions? Is more productive? Is less stress? Um, and that can be harder to get and harder to quantify. Let me know. Let me know if you have questions, still have questions on how to go about doing it. It's not going to be an exact science, but it'll get you started on thinking about that. You mentioned sending an email to the higher level execs, tips, books, et cetera, or emails and presentations for people at C-suite level. You know what? I do not. Um, I really formatted mine by what other people were doing. Like somebody would ask me, hey, I'm going to be out on vacation. I need you to send this out for me. So I literally did nothing more than five bullet points. Um, having a number and the key internal words were important. So I knew our key internal words were safety, um, cash flow, <laughs> uh, man hours burned, uh, were, were the three major ones I reported on, especially um, where we are all in the schedule. Yes. Um, so think about what language and keywords they focus on. One other way to kind of find out this information is how good a relationship do you have with the people other people don't see in the office. And that's going to be your administrative staff. Um, that is also going to be your janitors. And that's also going to be your maintenance people. And people think I'm crazy for this. Have you ever had a pet or a, a toddler go through your trash and pull out stuff like, oh, shoot, I didn't mean to throw that away? When you have people that nobody pays attention to, not necessarily disrespect them, but they don't pay attention to them, directly disrespect them, they see things and they will share things with you if you have a relationship with them and they respect you. <laughs> Tamara got all sorts of stories. Um, so it's really, really important that how you cultivate relationships in organizations, especially with other people who are not seen because they are privy to information that other people don't think they know what the hell to do with. And I'm not saying use people, but I, I have, I, I learned very early when I made this comment to my mother. I said, well, they are just, a janitor. Y'all, I almost didn't make it. Y'all would have never have met me. <laughs> she said, nobody's a, a just a nothing. Nobody has to clean up after you. Girl, it is not a place I have not worked where I didn't know the janitor's name. 
I had a coworker who wanted to know why I knew the janitor's name. And I didn't, I didn't work in our facilities. This was in a client's facility. Her name is Maria. She sold, she sold Avon. The two maintenance guys, one nickname, we nicknamed him Snoop. He had, he had the, the ponytails like some, I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, it's going to come to me in the client's facility in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was like, I'm cold. I was like, we'll get you a heater. I came in, heaters at my desk. I did, yeah, they also see in here. Exactly. <laughs> so be conscientious. Because let me tell you, they're the first ones to know when a layoff coming. You think I'm lying? They're usually the first one to know it's coming. Because the annual report only come out once a year. I agree in my first um, role, senior staff would let me hit things to people to get <laughs> it was. So build those relationships literally from the bottom to the top of the pyramid in those organizations to leverage some of this data to get the information. Okay, another question. When you're doing your own projects to impress higher ups, do you have to inform your manager supervisor about how you're using your time? <laughs> okay, let me do, let me, um, I, I meant to make this caveat a little bit earlier. Um, Michelle Hayward a little bit different. I was the one that had a manager talk trash to me in my 20s. And I said, look, I keep boxes at my desk. When I get tired of this space, I'll pack up and leave. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. And he was the one that got me two raises in one year. So let me let me make a caveat. I also worked in what I call the gray. And my friends and, and some of the people that know that went to college with me know this. So what's in the gray? These are the written rules. So you do this, it's the correct way. You do this, it's the wrong. Right? It's just the white, it's the black. I work right here, I mesh them together. We call it don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. I call it working in the gray. And figure out how to do those projects that align number one to your performance plan. So if you are doing projects, oh, well, we're going to do this, like, okay, that sounds great. It's part of your performance plan. So some things that you want to do right now in January, go ahead and plan it out piece by piece. Become October, November, or whenever, September, when you have to put together your performance plan and you're going to go through your performance review. Put that in there because you already got plans. You already, because your research on this executive may not take a day. It literally could take three, four months because life happens. Stuff, stuff goes on. And so I make it seem like it's simple, like you can pull the annual report. Y'all can be like, oh my God, I'm so frustrated. I got a headache. Why did I listen to her? And then you're looking at other people getting promotion. We're like, you know what? Let me get back to hell in this because it's June and come January next year, I cannot be in the same place. So it's going to take you a little while. So write it up in your performance plan. If you can't get it into your performance plan, go to other teams and departments. Some organizations actually um, like for their employees 
to-do projects. If you're working on something, let's say it's for a volunteer um, organization that your company partners with, and they actually cover your work hours to go work on stuff, I use it. Um, if you get access to interns, like, yeah, I'll train the interns. Hell, have interns work on it. Just look over the work. Just guide them. Mentor them. It's, it's so many different ways <laughs> to leverage this. Um, I, I love eager engineers, and I'll tell you why. I would, teach, I, would, I would teach a couple of my engineers so well. They got jobs before I did. I was trying to leave, and they was like, I thought you was going to be mad. I'm like, nah, I'm jealous. <laughs> like, literally, I would be looking at their LinkedIn like, yo, Thomas, you're not this, you this. Change to this word, add this, this, this um, dollar amount, because you're on a $1.3 billion construction project. He said, but isn't I? I said, they don't know. It just put $1.3 billion transmission distribution project. Then when you go in, if you did tell them you, you manage, help manage $250 million of it, they don't need to know that today interview you. Don't y'all know this structural engineer worked in transmission distribution for a year and a half, two years. He was going to stay with the company. He was commuting like an hour from Philly to New Jersey, central New Jersey. He asked to get trained on transmission distribution. He's a structural engineer. He, that's what he did. They were bringing training into the New Jersey office for, on transmission distribution. He asked to be included in the training. His boss told him no. He was the only structural engineer on his team in that group that was on a transmission and distribution project, and they refused to train him. So needless to say, when he got off, he told he said he told his boss, "Oh, you don't need to talk to me because when I asked you for training, you said no, deuces." And then the young lady I trained after him, who was a geotechnical engineer, she got a job too. I'm like, damn, what am I doing wrong? But anyway, I was doing right. I was transferring out. So just just keep just share. So just keep working it and get other people to help you with it, and it'll it'll get done. So it, it's going to be a process. This is not a one-day thing unless you have been with an organization for a long time and it is not government. Um, let's see. The custodian staff also know all the office data. <laughs> Girl, they know who's cheating. And I don't mean within the office, outside the office, who has an extra company cell phone that they bill into, the, who has an extra company vehicle that their spouse is driving because they're doing the expense report. Like they don't know how to read an expense report. Anyway. Um, I was the shadow by working through college at night as the janitor. That's how I learned about several of my past jobs because they were posted. But I'm also from the generation that my grandparents were the janitors, and we were taught to respect your own people from the janitor. Yes, I might be from that. I, if I wasn't, I am now. I tell, tell my 72-year-old mama that. Okay, so what other questions do you have about being able to figure out what that give is and who you're trying to connect with. Um, when you are looking for this particular executive to work with, look at their personal brand, meaning what are people saying about them behind their back? Are they like, oh my God, I really love working with such like, oh shit, yeah, he come. 
how are you? If they're doing that, that's probably not the person you want to go work with. So understand what this executive's brand is. Um, on a smaller scale, you may find out personal things about them. I had an executive, and I was going to, he was, um, he's an introvert. And what this man, like how he met his wife, he has a twin sister, y'all. This is the stuff. Twin sister went to school for nursing. He went to school for engineering. She would bring a different, uh, one of her classmates home for him to meet one-on-one. -on -one. And that's how he met his wife. So then you know not to have 20 people around him at one time unless we're in a meeting setting, right? So it's the little thing. I, knew, I found out not to buy him a birthday cake because he was a chubby kid and he never wants to be chubby again. So do not buy him a cake. I, I almost ordered that cake. Um, but I also found out he was a Yankees fan. So there are certain things that you find out about people that you can then leverage in and do as far as a birthday card, um, a trinket, just small stuff, and you personally drop it off to them. When you see them in the hallway um, getting coffee, water, whatever, the parking garage, you can say, um, if you're not a sports person, don't fake it, but you know they're a pet person because you see them covered in cat hair, right? Make those genuine connections. Um, and it's like, here, here's a lint brush. I see you, you're probably going to me like, thank you, Hermana. I keep forgetting to get my, my, my admin to order me one, right? Those things add up over time because you are making a personal connection and you are not asking them for anything. And guess what happens? They're like, so what do you do here? Literally been asked that. Oh, I'm an engineer that does whatever. Really? So how long have you been here? Eight years? They're like, oh, shit, I miss you. you. But you're new to this floor, right? No. Okay. But you're usually busy and in conversation when you pass me. And so doing little stuff and having those small conversations, especially if you're an introvert, really goes a long way. So that's really how to start leveraging being the only one or one of few women of color in your workplace. Start having those small conversations. Um, and you don't have to necessarily do gifts. Like if you think this is too much, it's those small conversations where you build rapport after you stalk them to find out what their pets and kids are. Um, they may even have a daughter and sell Girl Scout cookies this time of year, go order cookies. And be like, hey, I bought um, vanilla ice cream. Do you, do you do the vanilla ice cream and the Thin Mint cookies? Like, no, I haven't tried to like, hey, it's in the freezer. Um, I'm gonna have some at lunch at 12, me and some other people. So if you wanna be sure you get your scoop, be there at whatever time, if you can make it. So those are the little ways to really, like that's, that's how I, um, if you smoke, one, one of my former coworkers, that's how he met um, one of the executive VPs, the only one that was black in the building. Dude smoked. They both smoked, and that's how they met each other. And he was like, oh, no, he real cool. And like, but he's the executive VP. That's like, dude, smoke. He be out there hanging out with us all the time. It is literally those small connections, okay? So don't go into overwhelm. Remember they are human. Remember, you can do those small connections with them. If you're looking for them to sponsor you, make sure they understand 
what your role is in the company, what value you bring to the company, and the impact you have to the company. And you have to be able to convey that in the company language that they understand. Okay? Any last questions? If not, I hope this was helpful. Um, oh, one last thing I want, I want to tell you. Um, I know some of you are looking for jobs. Seems like private is more extroverted. I don't know. I thought private was more introverted because I just talked to them anywhere. Um, but if you're looking for a job, like literally this I got a job offer like 15, more than 15 years ago. I knew this company's mission and vision statement. And when I say the look, they're like, oh, for real? They went and reached over to, by the door on a table like, oh my God, this is this. I had a job offer the next week. I didn't take it. I went to work for my former employer because that salary was not hidden. And it really, really, by knowing the vision and the mission statement of the company and how I aligned to it was huge. Where do you want us to send our accomplishments? You can just email it to info at positivehire.co. How do you find out the hourly rates for consultants? So it's going to vary by industry. Um, I'm going to tell you probably in the industry, the industry you're in um, or the industry you want to go and be a consultant, do you have any friends that deal work with consultants? They're not a consultant that will disclose their rates. I would start there. And I wouldn't price lower. I would price at or above. Um, if that isn't helpful, I was thinking, there isn't, isn't there a government site? Didn't somebody share with me a website? I think it was Crystal. Um, send me an email about the hourly rates for consultants because I need to know industry and some other stuff. I think there's a website or a government site and, and that's the bare minimum. Okay, two more, a couple more questions. Okay, I'm at a crossroads and want to find someone to be a mentor. I've been the mentor to others like you who have moved on before me. I think I'm asking the wrong questions to executives that I think will be a mentor for me. What types of questions do you ask to know if this is the right person? Um, I don't generally ask them questions when I, unless, until I'm sure I want them to be a mentor. Generally what I do with them, I'm having a lot of discussions or talks with them and they're not long. They could be three minutes, five minutes. And I'm really getting a sense of whether or not they're an asshole. Um, whether they're giving a lot to the company, I'm trying to give less. Um, trying to figure out their boundaries. Like what, what is your goal? What is your personality? And what type of person would you learn and grow from? Because it's truly important that you understand what type of person you can work with and then look at is this person a good mentor and, and the mentor you're selected has been is or has been where you're trying to go 
Um, maybe they have the connections to get you to where you want to be. What is it about that person so that um, you know how to how to navigate the conversation? Does that make sense? So I don't have a set of set of questions that I ask them. Uh, you could some things you can ask is issues that you may have maybe on a project, um, multi, managing multiple personalities or generations. Um, any tools or resources they have, right? Um, and just get a sense of number one, did they work to get to the where, where the hell they are? Because sometimes you're looking for somebody to mentor you who was given something and so they can't even show you how to get there because it was given to them. And at the level you are, you, I would probably say, are you looking for a sponsor or a mentor? I'm getting a feeling you need a sponsor. I like mentors. I've been a mentor. I'm being mentored met with my local mentor here. A room full of black people. Three, the three that had a million dollar generating revenue businesses were three black women. What's the difference between a sponsor and a mentor? A mentor can will hear you out, will provide advice to you can connect you to resources, a sponsor would knock the fuck out of barriers to get you to where you say you want to be and where they believe you should be. So your sponsor may talk to you briefly in the hallway and ask you things, going to meetings that your mentor can't get in and say, oh no, such and such is going to be on this project. This is who is going to lead this initiative. And so you can, you can, there's definitely a need for both, but if you're trying, if you have barriers and you're trying to get to places, that sponsors the one that generally can get you there more than a mentor. And I, I followed this mentor rhetoric probably till about 2010, 2011, when I got a sponsor. And I had, that I knew of, I had sponsors before. So it was a great recession. Um, and they were laying off left and right. I didn't get laid off um, for seven years. It was 2017 when I got laid off. That was because the sponsor made sure I stayed. The sponsors made, thought I would be better. I was sucking at a position. He was like, hey, I want you to take this role. The manager that I reported to for the role didn't want me to have it. The sponsor said she got it. The spot, let, me, let me explain to you what the sponsor did. The sponsor literally came to me and said, hey, write the job description so that it fits you and nobody else can apply. This is what happened. I applied for the job, right? I wrote it up. I applied for the job. It, HR calls me. This is during the Great Recession. It said, nobody else applied for this job except you. Now, I'm already working on the project, Right? But nobody internal to a 45, 50,000 employee company applied for this job. I want you to think about that. You want a mentor that has told you that that's happened to them, or you want a sponsor that can do that? So it depends on what you're looking for, whether you need a sponsor or if you need a mentor. And you may need both. But know what, what you're looking to achieve. Is it risky to move a to make a lateral move to a startup? Woo. 
how do I put this? How many of y'all felt secure in your job <laughs> in 2008, 9, and 10 and got laid off? You're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. Um, so what, when it comes to startups, how early are you? So like, I don't have but one employee right now. I'm looking at bringing on a marketing person, at least part-time. Um, so it depends, are you the first five or 10 hires? What, if you are adverse to risk and you know your finances cannot sustain itself, yes, yeah, startup is a culture. <laughs> um, it's always risky. But I worked in construction, it was a risk every damn day. So you really kind of need to know yourself. What I would say, if you're looking at startup, see if you can do it part-time for them, whatever they're asking you for. Um, there are several startups that were part-time, those founders worked in on part-time for six to eight years. They are not billion-dollar companies. One of them is called MailChimp. If you received an email from me yesterday with the right login to get on here to Zoom, that email marketing system that email came from is called MailChimp. One of the co-founders from that way, he's from Augusta, Georgia. Um, it's a 20-year-old tech company. They did not work full-time in it for six to eight years as co-founders. It is a billion-dollar company now. Only 10% of startups succeed, and that's past the five-year mark. Is the startup you're looking at going to pass that mark? Um, are they still are they generating revenue and profitable? Um, are they even if they're funded? Even if they have funding from venture capital, doesn't mean they're gonna succeed. That just means they got they got runway. Meaning they have enough money to go this way um, to last so many months. Do they have? Um, do you like the founders? Like literally, do you like the founders? The culture is a culture, meaning you will work, you can literally work 80 to 100 hours. Um, then you have others that are funded and they have unlimited PTO and they make you take a week every single um, quarter. You have, you're forced to take a week off. So you really have to know what that startup offers as far as benefits and how risk averse you are. Um, so I can't tell you yes or no. It really depends on you. Um, I bootstrapped mine thus far. I've been approached by investors. I've been approached by friends who want to invest and I haven't taken any yet. Um, and I'm trying to see if, if and when I will. Um, so yeah, you, and because they're not publicly traded, um, what you can do is go to crunchbase.com and search specifically for that startup's name. Is it a tech startup? It'll be on Crunchbase. I don't know if it's tech or not. Um, it, it, even if it's not tech, it, it may be on there. But, um, and see if they've gotten funding. When was the last round of funding they went through? Um, some people get funded to build out their tech. Other people get funded to scale their company. I believe in scaling part. At a five-year mark, about 100 employees, maybe a clinic. 
Healthcare can be difficult. Um, I would say just keep your connections. And if you decide to do this, keep your connections and your LinkedIn open for new opportunities. My dream is to create companies in African countries to help develop countries. There's a ton of, yeah, there's a ton of opportunity. There are a lot of Americans um, black Americans going over to Africa. Yeah, it's not a one and done thing. If, hey, Melissa, just um, just shoot me an email at info at positivehire.co. I'm not going to tell you no. The opportunity, if they're giving you equity, I would say go in and also ask for equity if you're going to do it. Um, that's the other thing. You may have a lower salary, you may not, but definitely still go in and ask for equity. Negotiate equity if you do do it. Okay, what was the VP's name you searched on LinkedIn? Let's go see. Okay, well that went good. Todd Lesser. Here I copy his profile and put it in Messenger for you. All right, and okay, sounds like I need a sponsor and accountability partner. Okay, I think that is all the questions for tonight. Um, can Melissa and I connect? Hey, um, you sent that to Hill, you sent me just to the panelists. Share that to panelists and attendees so she can see it. Um, if Melissa is here, you have a message coming from Hill. Um, so one last thing before y'all get off of here, I should have had y'all do it early. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up with this. Be sure to drop in your LinkedIn profiles, links, and I am going to celebrate and go out with your accomplishments for tonight. So being publicly, um, one lady has written in, being publicly recognized for a win on a project that came in under budget and resulted in a big bonus for me and my team. That's right. I'm talking about that money, honey. Make that money, honey. Okay. N another one, advancement to current position based on past successes. Yes. Hello. Okay. I've been very successful with bringing on our employee brand to new level since joining. Yes, y'all keep killing it. Um, becoming a senior engineer. Woo. That's what y'all are doing this. I interned at Google last summer after my first year in college. What? And y'all don't tell people this? I'm like, what? Okay, but I'm going to let the world know. Um, becoming a published author on a paper. We're going to be talking about white papers and y'all publishing white papers for your industry. Yes. 
I'm loving this. Y'all don't know how much fun I'm having right now. A year ago, I didn't think I'd apply to a security um, privacy role. Now I'm interviewing for them. Yes. Y'all. Energy savings of over $2 million at Boone County School District over three years. Who's saving taxpayers some money? We appreciate you, my sister. Yes. Save us some dollars. Holla. Okay. Received a proclamation from the mayor of Columbia, South Carolina, as well as the governor of the state of South Carolina. Yes, my people. That's hometown. I got to see later who that is. Because um, I'm not looking at email addresses. I'm only looking at the accomplishments because we all win. Doing a workshop at the Grace Hopper Conference. Okay, I'm really, okay, I'm not, I'm extra excited. But those are some of the wins. Um, I'm going to give y'all a couple more minutes to copy and paste or click on all the links so you have as many tabs as I do <laughs> in your browser to start connecting with other ladies. Um, as Tamara said, be sure to include a message when you go to connect with them so they know. Working on revamping and just asked to teach a workshop for proposal writing. Yes! That's the one I'm talking about. See? Snaps to all. You, yes, they do rock. Right? And so this is why I asked you. And let me tell you, my sister would not even register for my summit, y'all. She was like, you was asking too many questions. I said, I only asked three questions. She said, you asked four. By the time I was going to answer all of them, the webinar was going to be over. I looked at her, y'all. So... It's another reason to ask those questions, a barrier to entry. Um, people who really want to be here, at least are put in NA. <laughs> if nothing else, you'll put in NA. But we do ask those questions for a reason because we really, really want to be able to help you. Um, and there are a lot of people supporting this. And let me tell y'all, if y'all don't customize y'all LinkedIn, profiles. I am going to talk about y'all. So everybody, thank you so much for joining. I hope these tips hurt, helped or will help you to engage with executives in your organization. Tomorrow we will have Crystal Atha who will be talking about um, workplace harassment. So definitely come get the tactics and tools you can use in the workplace when it comes to harassment. See you then.